live from the ESPN 690 and Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Welcome in here on a Thursday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau along with Austin Lane. We're live at String Sports Brewery here on a Thursday, as we always are, leading up to Jaguars All Access. That will come up at 7 o'clock. Shaq Griffin will join us ahead of the Buffalo Bills game uh, this week. Oh, baby, I've been seeing some Bills fans around town already, uh, <laughs> Austin. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, there's plenty that live down here, too, you know. Um, but I ran into, even in the neighborhood today, I was walking around, I was like, hey, the Bills fans can't wait to go to this game and see their team. And there's, you know, keep in mind, man, the Bills, although they went the early Super Bowls, as we've talked about, they've had some lean years over the last 30 years, too. And uh, they're excited about this football team, as they should be, excited about their quarterback. And it's really weird. It's like they co- I, I, I was talking to a um, neighbor Bills fan, you know, came from up in that area, and they're going, and it's weird to be like a Bills fan and like know you're going to win on Sunday. You know, that was my impression. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, this is going to be a blast. Like, we don't even have to worry about winning the game. We're just like going to have some fun going to see our team play, and we know we're going to win the game. It's just by a matter of how much. You know, it's like the Patriots fans have kind of had that for the last 20 years. Yeah. There are some teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers that kind of go into every game and kind of think that because they've won a lot. Um, there are teams like that across the league, but. I mean, it's not the Bills. You know, it's just kind of funny to see the Bills feel that way, especially coming in here to Jacksonville. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I felt that week, uh, I felt that way week one against Houston when the Jaguars played them. Um, yeah. I thought the Jaguars are going to win, so I think we all did. Um, so I can, I mean, I can't really relate to feeling like that because that was one week and then obviously all that hype and motivation went away. But, yeah, I mean, you know, this team's obviously one of the best teams in the AFC, and then they're playing a Jaguars team right now coming off of the, the worst loss, maybe the second worst loss of the season, depending how you put it. Um, yeah, if I'm a Bills fan, I'd be pretty feeling pretty good about Sunday for sure. Yeah, I would too. Uh, and I said this today, and I'll just jump right into the show. I, I was thinking of it. Uh, I do this final analysis thing for Jaguars.com, and I try to come up with, I mean, you could say the same thing every week, right? I mean, if the Jaguars rush for 200 yards, you know, or if Trevor Lawrence throws four touchdowns, the Jags will win. And we do this thing where it's like Jags win if, uh, Bills win if, and what's going to happen in the game. And so it gets me thinking about, like, certain statistics and stuff. Um, And one of them was turnovers because I basically, I was writing, I, I started to write it, and I was like, listen, I think this has to be one of the games. We know the Jags have really... Uh, struggled this year and getting turnovers and they've got two all year that includes the preseason i know we're not supposed to include the preseason but it just exacerbates the point if you include now 10 games yeah. <laughs> instead of the seven uh but then then it got me thinking i was like all right i really feel like when you're an underdog like this and you're you're not very good and they are very good well you really have to have some things go your way like you might have to have three or four turnovers and then even if you have one now you're plus two or plus three so like you really have to get it going and and i mean even if you look at houston right they they forced the jags into three turnovers in that week one game and that's probably why they won the game so i went back and i and i looked up the brent sports bureau was at work this morning and uh i I had to go all the way i was like all right let's go through every game let's go see how many times? When can I get to a time where the Jags force three turnovers in a game? 
And so you go through all last year. Not surprising, right? Because, I mean, they won one game. That's a, You're going to win one, more than one if you're forcing three turnovers in a game. And so now you go back and go back. I'm like, golly, how far am I going to have to go back here? I just kept going back 2019. And I finally get to the Jets on October 27th of 2019 uh, against the Jets. The Jaguars were able to force three turnovers in that game. Mm-hmm. And that is the only time, that is the last time, the Jaguars have forced more than two turnovers in a football game, uh, which, you know, is is a hard thing to do, Austin, but it's not that hard to do. I mean, there are games that you have that. That's 31 regular season games where the Jacksonville Jaguars have forced two or fewer. And I will say this, in 10 of the 31, they forced none. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is an alarming stat. We have now been talking about forcing turnovers for going on two years in Jacksonville, and that is why their record says what it is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you win the turnover battle, that definitely increases your chances of winning. And I think there's been opportunities for turnovers um, that have presented themselves for the Jaguars. They just haven't capitalized on them. And that, to me, is what separates a great defense from a mediocre defense to a bad defense is when those opportunities present themselves do you make the play do you make the quarterback sack or does he spin away from you or duck his shoulder and you miss the tackle when the ball's in your hands from an interception do you catch that ball or do you drop it and it's third down now because you can't secure that ball um if there's a fumble on the ground do you get the ball or does the the offense get the ball back you know it's just Every single game will present opportunities for big plays, for momentum swings, um, and for turnovers. It's just the fact of can you capitalize on those opportunities. Okay, so then I got thinking about it. I get what you're saying. Sometimes it's opportunity, right? I mean, Shaq Griffin this year had three passes that were, you know, possible interceptions, some more likely than others. Uh, But uh, I think it would be hard-pressed to say he should have made all three plays. He could have made all three plays, probably should have made a play or two. Um, You know, they get a pick the other day, Herndon, but, I mean, that was kind of like a free play, and I think that's why they threw the pick. So, But at least they had it. Well, they jumped off sides. So uh, maybe there's a fumble. Really, there haven't been many fumbles, at least, to even pounce on, uh, quite frankly. So uh, maybe there's a fumble that squirts away and offensive lineman jumps on it. So uh, I get it. I get what you're saying. Quarterback sacks, I mean, Caleb on Chase. Was that Houston? Or what game was that where... I mean, there's been a couple of quarterback sacks that probably should have been quarterback fumbles, but they, they missed the tackle on the quarterback. Yeah. And I mean, Tua had one. I know I think there was one on Tyrod Taylor, so there's been a couple of those yeah. as well. That's a good call, okay? And they're not getting the turnovers. Now, it's a sack. It's a forced fumble. It's all that, but it's not the turnover. And that flips the field and maybe changes the game, and et cetera. Uh, but, okay, Austin, they've been, they're one and six. They were one and 15 last year. They didn't do well at the end of 2019 either if you go back through this part of the streak. And by the way, I could have probably made these numbers even worse. Like, I just stopped looking. You know, I mean, I could probably go all the way back to the first month of 2018 when they were 3-1, and one, and I bet this speaks of a similar story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there might be four games since 2018 in September that they've forced three or more turnovers. But what I get to, especially coming off the last two years, is they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just not good enough on defense from a player standpoint. I mean, I hate to say that because you don't want to – listen, they, they got some good players on defense. They don't have enough good players. They don't have game-changing players. And I know I'm not, like, breaking news here. Hey, Brent, nice job, man. You're, they're not good enough. Great. Like, 
I get it. But what it does is it, it really puts an exclamation point on you don't have enough playmakers. You don't have enough blue chip guys. You don't have a enough good players on that side of the ball, a la 17 and 18. Now, 17 was a weird, such a weird year that they created so many turnovers and touchdowns. It was like, holy cow, you can't count on doing that every year. Mm -hmm. But they had enough players to force turnovers and think that going into a game, they were going to get a turnover. They were going to get a game-changing play. Heck, they might even score. I mean, I remember th talking about that 2017-18 team, and even 18 sometimes when they, they started to go bad, and be like, all right, defense needs to score right here. And that was not like this pie-in-the-sky thought. Like, they might be able to do it because they could get a sack fumble from Jan, and somebody could scoop and score it, Telvin Smith pick, whatever it might be. Well, what the last couple of years and that stat that I pulled out today says is, man, they're just not good enough to get them. Because if you think of the teams that do get them, that means they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of speed. They have a lot of playmakers. They have perennial pro bowlers. They have big money guys. And it's just uh, like Urban Meyer can go up on that podium and talk every every week about it. Joe Cullen can go up every week and talk about, yeah, we need more turnovers. We need more turnovers. I've got news for them because I've seen it. There's a trend now of 31 straight games. Hey, guys, you're not good enough to get turnovers. Like, you don't have the players. It's not going to happen. Stop wishing for that to happen because it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying for sure. But, like, if we talk about turnover differential, I mean, like, so, like, the Houston Texans, they've caused nine turnovers this year. Is the Houston Texans defense that good? No, that was actually a trend coming out of camp, uh, preseason, too, where they forced, like, ten of them in three games. So they've been able to force turnovers. Yeah, I think, like, the, the you have, like, the Minnesota Vikings. They've caused nine turnovers this year. Like, I don't think that the Minnesota Vikings defense um, is anything to write home about. But then you have a but, team like... But also, nine turnovers in, like, eight games is not a lot, you know? Okay, I mean, but then, okay, but then do you think that the Ravens' defense is good? I, d I would say yes. It's because not, like, elite good this year. That hasn't proven that yet, do you, I don't do think. Do you think the Steelers' defense is good? I think the Steelers are a very sound, usually good defense, yes. Do you think the Browns' defense is good? Um... I've been off and on, but yeah, overall, I'd say I'd sign up for it, sure. Okay, so we talk about the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns. They've, they've only created six and five turnovers this year. You know, so, yeah. I, I mean, I get what you're saying in terms of... Well, they're not of, six and one, though, right? <laughs> I mean... No, no, they're not. But, I mean, I think in the realm of things, I mean, I still consider Pittsburgh a pretty good defense. Um, yeah. uh, I think despite injuries, I think Cleveland Browns are a pretty good defense. I think the Baltimore Ravens have showed they can be a good defense. It's just the fact of you, you have to, you know, when the opportunity comes, you have to capitalize on it. You know, I mean, I, I see teams right now that are, that are top in terms of, of takeaways. And, yeah, the Buffalo Bills are number one, tied with the Colts right now. Well, the, the Colts have caused 18 takeaways, 18 turnovers this year. How's the Colts record? Yeah, that's a good, that was a good example. I was going to ask you that. The Bills make sense, right? How yeah, many the Bills make sense. the Bills have? Uh, like the Bills have like 19? The, 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 the Bills have 18. So they're, 18 they're tied right now with the Colts. Okay, and, and they've obviously done, like to your point, you started to say this turnover differential. They've done a better job of holding on to the football than the Colts. I mean, we just saw Carson Wentz make two stupid plays yeah. uh, in the fourth quarter and overtime of that game to lose that game. So that, But that's a good point. They've forced 18, which means they're not doing enough on the offensive side, mm -hmm. most likely, because they're putting themselves in position to, to win football games. If, if you get 18 turnovers, man, you are putting yourself in position, probably on the plus side of the field, yeah. to cash in. And my guess is Indianapolis hasn't been able to do that. What, no. Who else is in, like, the top 10? Uh, top 10, we got Buffalo, Indianapolis, Dallas, Green Bay, which is really surprising to me, um, yeah. Arizona, Tampa Bay, 
Well, Tampa Bay is a little surprising to me, too, because I don't think their defense, I mean, you know, they well, they're us, hurt. Yeah. yeah, they're banged up. Los Angeles Rams, the Patriots, the Saints, and the Titans. Okay, so outside of the Patriots all those and the Colts, all those teams are really good. And, that, and, and that's the formula in the NFL. Like, I'm not, we're, we know that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, um, I mean, obviously, the uh, and it's just like I let off with. Like, the, the more turnovers you have or that you've caused, the, the better chances that you have your odds of winning, for sure. Yeah, I, here's what I think. Like, it's interesting as you talk about those. I think, um, and b- the Buffalo Bills can be like this, but let me get, let's go with uh, Green Bay. Although Green Bay's defense has been way better than anybody wants to give it credit for for a while now. I mean, they've been per- solid defense. Uh, but let's go with Green Bay and let's go with the, the Tampa Bay Bucks because I think the Bucks are an interesting one here. The Bucks on defense, I don't know what their sack totals are. My guess is sack totals and, and turnovers have been pretty good, but they still give up a lot of points. They give up a lot of yards. They have a lot of injuries and they're secondary. But for those two clubs especially, and I'm just going to use them as an example, I do think the Bills could fit this category as well. Uh, they have offenses that kind of dictate the play. And so, like for Tampa, you got Tom Brady throwing four touchdowns in the first half of games, and they're up 28 to 10. Well, guess what's easy to do now? It's yeah. easy to play defense, even if you're really not that good, right? Because teams are going to throw it 30 times in the second half. You're going to have more opportunities. And so I probably, like, Tampa feels like they might fall under a different umbrella than some of those teams. Like, uh, Dallas has been ridiculous. I mean, Trevon Diggs alone has been ridiculous and changed who they are and why some of the reason that they are have the record that they have. Uh, this Bills defense has been sound all around. And so do people get it done in different ways. It is definitely part of the formula, though. And what is not part of the formula is being uh, having two turnovers and having no games over the last 31 that you've really put it together and they came in, what, bunches. <laughs> you, know, oh, for sure. you know what I never want to hear again? I never want to hear a coach tell me that they come in bunches because I haven't seen it in two and a half years around here. Well, no, I mean, and I hear you, but once again, I mean, the opportunities have been on the field. This team, for whatever reason, just hasn't capitalized because I compare it to the Houston Texans again. The Houston Texans are not a good football team. Their offense is not good. Their defense, I don't think, is that good either. But for some reason, they found a way to, to garner nine turnovers, to cause nine turnovers. The Jacksonville Jaguars have caused two. Like, that shouldn't happen. That, like, I, I get sometimes, uh, like, there's, an, you know, there's... There's outliers and there's anomalies in these numbers. But to tell me that the Houston roster has been able to create nine turnovers and Jacksonville's only been able to cause two, like that goes to show me that, yeah, maybe you're not getting opportunities, maybe your players aren't good enough, but that goes to show me more than anything is that when the opportunities present themselves, you aren't capitalizing on that. No, no, no. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying, I don't know, if you address that in practice, if you work on tip drills in practice, if you have to work on getting the ball out, the, the strip sack drill. I don't know what you have to do, but I'm just saying that shouldn't be the situation. I, I, this is great. I, I love this conversation with you because I think you bring up a good point. I, I understand what you're saying. You should have more than that even if you're not that good is what you're telling me. Absolutely. Uh, and and, and I, I agree with that. I, I think they have had opportunities. Again, Shaq Griffin, who we'll have on Jaguars All Access, he's, he, I mean, he, he could really be having a nice first half of the year if he had come up with two of those interceptions. Like, I mean, he's already played pretty sound football overall uh, for a guy they brought in on a team that's not very good, which is hard to play good football on a team that's not very good right, at, right now. So I get what you're saying. Um, let me and, and here's the thing. We've been all over the coaching at times in, in the first seven games of the year for the Jags. This is, to me, not a coaching thing. This is uh, a player thing, a talent thing, and maybe even like a football IQ thing. 
I've questioned that on this football team, on this defense especially, Austin. So, like, I know they're practicing and preaching turnovers. Everybody in the NFL does that. Pop Warner coaches do it. High school coaches do it. College coaches do it. NFL coaches do it. They preach it. They practice it. They strip at the ball. They, they, they uh, do the jugs machine. They do tip drills. They do all that stuff. Like, they, they try to uh, strip sack fumble. Like, they teach that. They preach that. I, I get it. So where do you think, like, and you said it, okay, the Jags defense isn't all that talented. They're not that good, but they have had opportunities. So is it a little bit of misfortune? Is it they're not as fast? Maybe they're a step slow? Is Do you chalk it up to talent? Or do you bring into the equation, like, what I think in sports is the immeasurable, and that's, like, instinct and IQ, right? I mean, some guys just have a nose for the football. Uh, I mean, you took Micah Fitzpatrick. You think what Trevon Diggs right now is doing? I mean, that's kind of ridiculous to have, have as many picks as he has. Uh, you think of uh, a guy like Tyron Matthew over the years. He's just had this instinct to go get the ball. And it's not because he runs a 4-2-4-40. It's because he's got the IQ and instinct to do it. If, if I broke those categories, instinct IQ is one. Talent is another. Speed is another. And just luck versus unluck is another. Is it a little bit of every bucket, or is it one of more buckets, in your opinion, as a guy who used to play on defense? I mean, it's definitely a a little bit of every single bucket. You know, I mean, I would say that primarily, I mean, talent does have something to do with it. You know, if Jalen Ramsey got the same passes that Shaq Griffin had towards him, one would think, well, out of those three that Shaq Griffin defended but didn't make an interception, Jalen Ramsey maybe gets two of those balls for interception. So, yeah. obviously, talent is definitely a factor. I mean, the, the, the more talented guys you have on your defense, the, the, the more the odds go up that you can create turnovers. But it's also, to, to, to me, it's all about execution. That's probably the biggest thing outside of talent is, is executing the call on the field. Whether it's your step slow to your blitz or, or your game that you're running up front, whether you're a step throw to the receiver because you read it just maybe a split second too late, I think it's, more than, it's execution more than anything. Yeah, I, I would say, I, I get that, I get that. And by the way, I think you're right about talent. Listen, if you had this Jags defense of 17, there's no doubt why they had so many turnovers. They had great pass rush. They had speed. They had playmakers. They spent a lot of money on it. They were invested in the draft on it. I mean, this defense is not that. So, I, And my expectation is not for this defense to do that. My expectation is for this defense to force a turnover or two. And... I, you know, really, how did we get on this topic? Well, one, we looked it up, but two, how can you beat the Buffalo Bills? I mean, that's the only chance they have of beating the Bills, right? I mean, I know the NFL's weird, but you, even if you look at the Jets, how'd they beat the Bengals? Well, they got a late turnover in, in their own end that changed that game, or, or Cincinnati probably would have ran out the clock. Uh, I, I feel like they have to get a, a multiple turnover game, and I don't mean two. I mean three, four turnovers. It has to be a sloppy, bad game for the Buffalo Bills, for the Jaguars to kind of surprise them. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking about the Jaguars' defense, what you have to do against Buffalo, you know, if you watched any Buffalo Bills games this year, they're, they're a pass-first team, even though they don't want to be. You know, I mean, it, it goes against, I think, what Sean McDermott believes in in terms of, um, you know, passing first and running second. Um, and it's not to say Singletary and Moss aren't great running backs. It's just the fact of, you know, they haven't got it figured out. Josh Allen is usually your leading, you know, ball carrier uh, per game. Um, you, and you saw it against their last game against Miami. 
So this is a team who I feel like they're gonna tr they want to get the run game going eventually, but this isn't the week to do it for Buffalo, right? Because if you watch the Jaguars on defense, it's all about passing. It's all about Cole Beasley maybe having a big game. Um, it's all about Stephon Diggs maybe having a big game. So I think you're gonna focus more on the passing, which is kind of the goes against the mo of the Jags defense in terms of stop the run first, stop the run first, stop the run first. I don't think you address the run first if you're the Jaguars defense this week. I think you come up with a game plan that's a little more tailored to like a guy like Patrick Mahomes um, or, you know, or a quarterback who you're worried about his arm. I'm worried about Josh Allen's arm right now. I'm not necessarily worried about Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, not as much as I'm worried about Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs. So if I'm trying to beat the Buffalo Bills, I show a new wrinkle on defense. I sometimes maybe only rush three guys, and you know, and that's gonna go. That's gonna fall on a lot of people saying, "Well, why would you do that? Because you can't get home to rush the passer." I understand that, but let's see what Josh Allen looks like if you drop back in zone coverage, and all of a sudden things are taken away from him. How does he respond to that? And I think on offense, yeah. I mean, we'll see if James Robinson's good to go. Do we have word on that yet? Nah, I mean, yeah, still, we, I don't think we'll know more until tomorrow, probably. Yeah, yeah, so we have no idea about James Robinson yet. This is a defense that's one of the best defenses in the entire league. So if you have James Robinson, that's a plus because you got to slow this game down. You don't want to get into a track meet with the Buffalo Bills. If you can control the clock, slow the game down with James Robinson. If he's playing, pr providing, or else Carlos Hyde's got to step up, you got a better chance of winning as well. Yeah, as you say that, actually, a Jags injury report just came to my phone. So let me give you an update. James Robinson did not practice yesterday or today. That does not mean he can't play. But I do think if you kind of read the tea leaves on this, I think it's unlikely he will play. I don't think they want to do something that might put him out for the next nine games after this. So uh, I'm betting against James Robinson playing, although that's not the official word yet. Uh, Jags overall after that are, have been pretty healthy with the guys on the injury report. Hey, uh, we'll be back. String Sports Brewery here in Springfield on a Thursday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, Austin and Casey, I invite you to do one thing if you haven't done it yet. Just take a look at the leaderboard at the Mayakoba Classic. Enjoy yourself during the break while you do that. We'll be back oh, yeah. on ESPN 690. How's Fowler doing? Check it out, Casey. Hey, I looked at him. My guy's minus four through nine, so cool, cool yourself, Brent. We got a long way to go. How's Fowler doing? Um, Nobody I knows. Just, okay. I just asked you to check. That's it. That's all I said. We'll be back on ESPN 690. I mean, usually it's right away. If you're in a situation where you can, it's addressing that right away so it doesn't come up again in, in that situation. Just got to get on the same page, and stuff like that can't happen between quarterback, receiver, tight ends, whoever it is. We just all have to be on the same page. You know, it's one thing. People are going to make plays, and um, you tip your hat to that, but as far as just not thinking and being on the same page, we can't have that. So... Just correcting that right when you see it, and we all got stuff to work on. Like, you know, I got to work on my accuracy. Um, I wasn't very accurate last week, and so that's something going forward I got to get better at and give my guys uh, more chances to get their hands on the ball and run after the catch. So um, we're working. Uh, that is Trevor Lawrence, Jaguars quarterback. Uh, it's a big test for him. Obviously, I think it's the biggest test of the year. Uh, for Trevor Lawrence, on paper it would be, yeah. his Buffalo Bills. So it would be nice to kind of see him perform well and bounce back. He he looked – the only word I keep running into is out of sync. Uh, he just looked out of sync. Uh, I think Urban Meyer asked him the question uh, the other day, and I think he answered it right, and it makes sense. Like, listen, if everybody else is not performing and grading out very well around you, there's a good chance at the quarterback position you're probably not going to grade out very well. You know? No, for sure. And uh, so, and that, and it did look like that. So this wasn't like this. Oh my gosh, 
uh, Lawrence was so bad. I just thought with everything else going bad, he was too. I've seen this team had some bad plays, and I still am able to say, wow, Lawrence, though, I still saw some things. He's overcoming some of that. It was just an off day for everybody uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, including the young quarterback. Uh, this could do a lot. Uh, listen, this could be a big game, Austin. I mean, let's be real about this. If he, if he struggles against top defense in the NFL, uh, we assume the team is going to struggle against a very good team. And now you have two straight weeks of not great play at the on the offense or um, at, by the rookie quarterback. Now you start wondering, okay, is he kind of in a little bit of a funk? Yeah. Or does he play well? And then you're like, hey, man, that's impressive, right? I mean, he bounces back. And, yeah, they win, they lose the game. But hopefully they win. Uh, but he plays really well against the number one defense in the league and kind of shows his stuff a little bit. So this could be a big game for Trevor Lawrence just from at least the – yeah, the next few weeks from a narrative standpoint. No, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a huge game and it's gonna be a huge test. Obviously, playing this defense um, in the Buffalo Bills. You know, it, it's interesting because when you break down the Buffalo defense, you know, a, a three-four. Um, but like to me, what sets Buffalo apart from a lot of teams that run the scene that they do is that they don't need to blitz because they have four capable you know rushers that can get to the quarterback without blitzing. And we've seen early on. And I'm reminded of, like, you know, I think Cincinnati stands out a little bit. You know, Houston stood out a little bit. Um, you know, when you blitz Trevor Lawrence, he had problems in the beginning. Then he comes out in the Miami game, and he took care of the blitz pretty well. So now Trevor Lawrence is going to face a team that isn't going to be blitzing. But they're still going to get home, you know, rushing the quarterback, obviously. So I'm very curious to see how Trevor Lawrence handles, you know, not having to really call out, well, who's, who's dropping back into coverage, who's blitzing. Like, he's going to know all of that stuff. It's going to be recognizing what kind of coverage they're in and trying to find the open man now. And obviously the offensive line has to do their job and block up front as well. But I'm very interested to see, you know, not a very blitz-having team, the Buffalo Bills, how Trevor Lawrence plays against these guys. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I guess if you're, yeah, if you who, you are who you are, a good sound defense, uh, they can make plays, they're pretty steady on all three levels, uh, they can get a push uh, up front, but they don't need to blitz to create it. Um, I, I still think that kind of favors, like when you kind of know what a team's going to do, I think that favors a young quarterback, would you agree? Uh, I mean, yeah, he still has to make the right decisions, right, so... Um, pending that he can make those right decisions, and yeah, it definitely favors him because hopefully he'll have a little more time, um, you know, if they aren't blitzing, but that, that falls offensive line as well. So to Trevor Lawrence, it comes down to making the proper read and recognizing the coverage right away. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's worth noting, I, I, I don't think last week was just uh, guys that weren't making plays. I think it was a little bit of everything. I think Trevor looked out of sync. I think he had trouble at times getting them lined up. I think he saw some new things on defense. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I think he probably did. Uh, I think then you add in poor offensive line play, drops on third and two, drops on third and 16, uh, you know, just some of that. No running back, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is pretty significant. And I, I hate to give this team too many excuses. I mean, the uh, you could make them for days. I do think it's tough. When you have a guy like James Robinson, who you really come out of the bye week and most likely want to get the ball to even more, and so he's heavily involved in this game plan is my guess, and then he carries it four or five times and then he's out of the game. That really is tough on the fly to replace. And, and everything you thought you were going to do, now it's really thrown out of whack. And then on top of that, they get up 14 nothing or whatever it might be. So, like, you can see where it snowballs. Mm -hmm. Um a, a little bit for 
for the Jags because they need to rely on Robinson. They need to build around Robinson, and uh, he is such a big part of the offense. But I just think uh, the guys have to make better plays. I mean, they just can't drop third and two. You can't drop it when it's in your hands. I really credit Marvin Jones. If you go back to the Miami game, there were plays that were tough plays, and he went up and got them, Austin. Like, he made those plays. Mm -hmm. Now, I think LaVisca dropped a couple, and they weren't, like, right in his hands, but they were plays that he should have caught. But Marvin Jones, in my opinion that day, I remember raving about him coming out of that game, in part because he had some, like, 50-50 type balls that he caught. Mm-hmm. And, and he hung on to, and he made good throws look really good because it, it was completed. Well, they need more of that, and LaVisca's got to start doing that. Dan Arnold has to do it. Uh, Marvin has to do it. You, you know, you name it. They have to do it. They've got to help the kid out and just look better all around as an offense. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is kind of mirrors Justin Herbert, what he had to go through when he had a guy in Austin Eckler who, you know, is a pretty respectable running back and was kind of the heart and soul of that Chargers team last year. You know, he goes out... Uh, I think it was week 10, but, I mean, he was hurt, you know, throughout the season as well. He'd come in and out sparingly. So once they lost Eckler, then it was more on Justin Herbert to try to rally the team um, and elevate the team. Now it helps when you had guys that, you know, like Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry and everything, but that went to show you just the power of the quarterback position and, and being a young guy, you can still elevate your team. Assuming James Robinson's going to be out Sunday, that's going to be on Trevor Lawrence then. Yes, yes, Carlos Hyde can handle the workload as well, but he is no James Robinson. So this is going to, they're going to have to rely on Trevor's arm. You know, I mean, it's as simple as that, and Trevor's going to have to elevate his team. And the best thing that his team can do around him, his players can do around him, is obviously catch those balls and, and try to create some separation. Yeah, James Robinson, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde can do a bit. Carlos Hyde can have a game. Right? I mean, Carlos, Carlos Hyde's not James Robinson. But he's also not, like, going to some rookie guy that you never, you know, you don't know what he can do. I mean, Carlos Hyde runs hard. Carlos Hyde has had good moments in the NFL. He's had good seasons in the NFL. I think the Jags can still run the football. Uh, again, this is like if you could run it at a, you know, a, a 90 grade with Robinson, you might only run it at an 80 grade with Hyde. And if you do that, well, then Trevor's got to make up for that. I think that's kind of what you're saying. Trevor's going to have to make up for something. That's why you picked him number one overall. That's why he's this elite talent that everybody thinks. He he is going to have to overcome. And by the way, I think he's already overcome some things. I think he overcomes second and 15 and first and 15 and sometimes third and 15. <laughs> you know, he has done some of that, like hidden in games where, like, oh, okay, that's what other teams do sometimes too. Well, the Jags now have a guy, I think, that has been able to do that. Some plays with his legs as well that he's been able to make or make people miss or get away from sacks still one sack i think uh, last week even though it felt a lot worse than that so i think that's what you're talking about austin he's gonna have to elevate his game a little bit and and by the way even if james robinson was playing he's probably gonna elevate his game because he's going against the top defense in the nfl yeah um if i'm talking about you know carlos when james robinson came in and they started giving him the ball more he elevated the team Everything looked different because of James Robinson. Is he if he's you know not playing this Sunday and Carlos Hyde um, is the starting running back? I'm not sure Carlos Hyde has the power to elevate this team. Yeah, true. So if he doesn't have the power, well then that's got to fall on somebody else, and obviously that's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Now, if you look at the Buffalo Bills, they're like yes, the, probably the top defense in the league, but in terms of yards per carry. They're right in line with the Jaguars right now. You know, in, in the bottom whatever fourth of the league. I mean, they're averaging 4.6 yards a carry. 
So if James Robinson isn't playing, well, yeah, you're going to see a heavy dose of Carlos Hyde. My only worry is can Carlos Hyde sustain, you know, the, the, the 4.6 average or even higher um, and kind of make this a, a dual threat game with running the ball and passing the ball. I'm not sure if Carlos Hyde is there in his career right now. Just revisit his, uh, that stat you just said. 4.6 was in the bottom fourth of the league on the offensive side? No, so the, the, the Bills' defense gives up 4.6 oh, yards 4 per carry. And, and, the, and the Jaguars give up 4.7. So the Jags are giving up 4.7 yards per carry? That is correct. Really? I thought they were like one of the few teams through six games or something that were under 4 point yards. I mean, under 4 a carry. 517 attempts, 2,452 yards. I mean, you have to take the quarterback into play. I don't know. I'm just yeah. going by what the NFL.com tells say, me. I, I, I guess I, I, maybe the stats didn't even matter in that Seattle game. And so now I'm kind of curious. Oh, like, hold on. Hang, hang on. Yeah, let me fix this up here a little bit. Nope. Yep. Is this, that right? Nope, that's not right. Hold on. Let me fix it. Okay, so, sorry. The, the Bills give up four yards per carry, and the Jaguars right now are at 3.7. My yeah, bad. Yeah, My bad. Okay. There we go. Okay, because it's really the one stat the Jags have been very good at. Yes, there we go. Uh, 3.7. Okay, so what you're really saying then, uh, so the Bills are most the best in the league, probably top 10 in the league then, at giving up 4.0. Yeah, they're tied. For about 10, yes. Okay. Yeah, so they're yep. pretty good. They're pretty good. Um, and, 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 again, that, that 3.7 is pretty significant. The Jags, you know, they have had a couple scrambles break loose by quarterbacks. They had a big run late by Derrick Henry. But if you really crunch the numbers of what they've done against the run, it's been pretty good. Now, my guess is it's been a pretty small sample compared to the rest of the league because everybody's passing against them. How many uh, rush attempts against the Jags this year. You said 517? Uh, hang on, rush attempts. No, that was, le okay, so rush attempts, I can't find that one right now in terms okay, of rush attempts. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's fine, that's yeah. fine. Um, I, but my guess, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I bet there are more rush attempts against the Bills than there are the Jags. Here we go. Okay, so the Jaguars have 204 rush attempts against them. The Bills have 152 against them. Really? That's it? Correct. Wow, that surprises me. Now, I guess what you could say is in the second half, people are running against the Jags because they're up by two touchdowns. You could say that for sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel it doesn't it feel like everybody's just throwing the football against the Jags? I mean Geno yeah. Smith and Tua and, and Tyrod and Teddy. No, <laughs> yeah. you're not you're not wrong. Um, as you look at the Jags actually, I was thinking of this the other day, never I never took a look at it. Um, I'm gonna do it right now, and you guys can all do it with me. Uh, so they play Tyrod Taylor, who who by the way is scheduled to come back this week, uh, Denver and Teddy Bridgewater. They obviously face Kyle Murray. He's one of the best in the league, and, and he really didn't do anything that was unbelievable that day. Burrow was, was really doing well in his sophomore year, if you will. Mm -hmm. Tannehill's, I, I, Tannehill's not going to wow you, but he's a, he's a good enough quarterback. He's not in the Tua and Teddy and Tyrod um, situation. Tua obviously did well against the Jags. Uh, Geno Smith, ridiculous. So now you get Josh Allen, and you've got uh, MVP candidate. Carson yeah. Wentz is kind of middle of the road. Garoppolo's middle of the road. I don't think anybody's afraid to face Matt Ryan, who the Jags will face. Stafford will be an elite guy they have to face. Uh, the Titans go back to Tannehill. Texans, who cares? Jets, no, it's a rookie. Patriots, it's a rookie. And the Colts is Wentz, and we'll see how he's playing. I mean, Wentz could get himself in that conversation. But really, if you look at it, the Jags are really bad on defense, and they only have to face four quarterbacks that you would put in that upper tier of the NFL. And that's Kyle Murray, Matthew Stafford, Josh Allen this week, and I even put Joe Burrow there, and he really did play well in the second half. So, I mean, that is not a bad schedule against quarterbacks, Austin. 
the problem is they've already faced <laughs> Tyrod Tua and, and Geno Smith and Teddy, and they didn't fare too well against them. No, and, and that's kind of the major point where it doesn't really matter who you're facing right now. Like you're 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 obviously giving up way too many points, and, and you're surrendering way too many um, stats to quarterbacks right now. So yeah, I don't think it matters if it's Joe Burrow, if it's Josh Allen, or if it's Mike White. Like you know, it's just it's not good right now for this defense. No, it's it's a remember a couple years back like this was I don't know maybe it's like 15 16 they would go like they'd play Hasselback who had just been like signed back for he's like 40 years old they'd lose you know they'd face so-and-so backup they'd lose uh, Fitzpatrick was probably in there for three different teams they'd lose mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be like when you're bad on he doesn't like you just said it doesn't matter who you're facing what scared the hell out of you is when you got to face guys that are in the MVP conversation, like Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because now you're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, but I will say, I mean, the Jags did a decent job against one of those kind of guys, and that's Kyla Murray. Um, earlier this year, can they do the same here at home against the Bills? We'll find out. Action Sports Jags on ESPN 690. We're live at Spring Sports Brewery here in Springfield. Jags All Access coming up tonight on Fox 30 with Shaq Griffin. Come on out. Say hello. Uh, coming up at 4 o'clock, by the way, Mac Jones' mom joins us. And uh, we'll tell you what that's all about coming up a little bit later. But we'll be back on ESPN 690. Uh, not really. Uh, I think, you know, he's a young quarterback that at times, you know, at times he looks like a 10-year vet and other times he doesn't. And uh, I've always said this about a quarterback is when he has a great day, I got a feeling when I give you the grades of the everyone else, they played really good. When a quarterback struggle, if I give you the grades, the guys around him, he's a product of those around him. And we didn't play very good on offense, certainly. Uh, I mean, you take about the steady improvement and all of a sudden you did this. Got to get it back. Well, that's kind of what I was talking about. That uh, There's a quote right there from Urban Meyer uh, this week about the quarterback play and uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think that's cool, right? I mean, sometimes he looks like a 10-year vet. Sometimes he looks like a rookie. I think that's bound to happen. Uh, you find consistency somewhere in there. He had a nice three-week stretch. Can he get back to that rather than have a couple bad games? That's why I think there's some significance uh, in this game against Buffalo and how he looks and how he plays. Brett Martineau live at String Sports Brewery. Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a Thursday. We'll pick the Thursday night game in just a little bit. Uh, let's get Steven on the line. He's been hanging around. I think wants to talk Bill's defense. What's happening? Hey, guys. How you doing today? Good. Uh, I got a question for you, Austin. Uh, I got an answer. Okay. Uh, I have uh, confirmed. uh, Mind you, the O-line was played bad last week, and they've been decent during uh, the season. My concern is uh, with uh, one of the top guys and somebody you liked in the draft, Greg Russo. He's been just a monster lately. And my concern is with, Jawan Taylor, because normally he lines up on the right side. And, you know, also you got Carlos Basham, another top pass rusher in the draft. Um, my concerns are just what what do you think they should do with that monster? Are you talking about with Gregory Rousseau? Okay. All right, yeah, thank you, Stephen. Okay, so, yeah, when we talk about the Buffalo Bills, like I was saying, you're not going to see a lot of blitzing. So if I'm the defensive coordinator of the Bills, I go, where are the Jaguars most vulnerable? And right now, I would say it is from Juwan Taylor's side. Now, to be fair, if you watch that Seahawks game, it was from all over the place. But if I give, and whether, I think, I'm not sure if Jerry Hughes is playing yet or not. If Hughes is playing or if Rousseau is playing, whoever the the game caller is, whoever the the leader of this defensive line is, I give them free reign. 
I give them the J.J. Watt treatment and say, when it's third and long, you go wherever you want, and then we're going to fit off you. Um, and that's what I would do. So I'm not sure who's quite playing yet, what the defensive line is going to look like. They had some guys on the injury report. I don't know who's going to be out, who's going to be in, but they do have depth as well. So if I'm the Jaguars of how do I stop that, you know, Dan Arnold's a guy that's kind of come in and, and filled the role now as a tight end. You got to chip with Dan Arnold. Almost every single play if it's going to be longer than third and five. Because when it's a passer situation, you know it's going to be a passer situation, um, and the, the Bills can kind of pin their ears back a little bit. Yeah, I'm not confident right now with just Juwan Taylor by himself one-on-one against a guy like Rousseau. So I'm going to use Dan Arnold. I'm going to use a slot receiver, whatever the case may be, and I'm chipping until the cows come home. All right. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, let's welcome in Action Sports Shack Stuart Weber right now and uh, back from Seattle, London, everywhere in between and uh, off to some high school football tonight. Weber, we have some Thursday night high school football because of the weather that may uh, be heading into town tomorrow. Hopefully, we also have Friday night high school football. Of course, uh, some teams are getting a little jump on it just because they feel like the rain's going to be bad. And Well, I certainly hope it's not. But, uh, yeah, a few, few games on the schedule tonight and a few on the Friday night schedule that we're really keeping an eye on. This is the final week of the regular season, so teams are fighting it out for those last RPI spots, those last kind of at-large bids. And we've got some teams on both sides of the bubble that will be very interested in their games on Friday night. But you mentioned tonight we got Fletcher and Mandarin. Fletcher's already in, so this is just kind of a last tune-up before the postseason starts for them. First Coast and Sandalwood as well, and Westside and Nice. Nice, one of those teams that's on the right side of the bubble right now and hoping to get another victory as they take on the Wolverines. All right, uh, week 11 of the uh, regular season, which means this is it. Then we go to the postseason. But th the RPI stuff, Weber, has been pretty fun because it makes these games still have a lot of value. Yeah, in the past, you know, you had times when it was just a winner and a district runner-up. Well, some districts are obviously a little stronger than other districts. And so this really opens it up to, all right, we're going to get four district champs for the higher classifications. Those games will definitely matter. And then we're going to take the next best four in those districts. So it doesn't matter if you're in a really strong district or in a weaker one. It depends on who you played, both in your district games and out of district. So it really encourages teams to schedule tough and to play some really good teams over the course of the season. And we see that with some of our schools that are, you know, right on the cusp of hopefully making it in. The, the funny part is for our area, we've got a couple teams in our viewing area that are done. So their season is over. However, they have to wait and watch all these games on Friday night to kind of see what happens. Perfect example of that is Terry Parker. The Braves are in the eighth and final spot in their region in 5A, and they just have to kind of sit there and see what happens and, and hope everything still works out okay when it comes to the selection show on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and the numbers. So that's uh, coming up on Sunday afternoon. So big big week of the uh, Blitz Scoreboard show tomorrow night, 9 o'clock uh, until 10.30 on ESPN 6 you know the social media platforms if you haven't caught it yet we really encourage you to try it out it's fun we'll show you late games we'll be at Fleming Island and Oakleaf that's usually a good one we'll have some live action from that uh, game in Clay County we'll have committed to the uncommitted presented by Baker Sports uh, we appreciate the University of North Florida Ospreys for their support of the Blitz scoreboard show and then of course we have the uh, Friday Night Blitz coming up uh, on the TV side. Half-hour edition is back now that the World Series uh, is in the books. 10.30 on Fox 30, 11.20 on CBS 47, Fox 30. Hey, uh, Weber, if Austin Lane coached high school, one, would he be any good? And two, would he let us into the locker room for his pregame speech? 
I think he would be good. I, I believe he, he has the skills, and he certainly developed the skills from his work at the MMA gym as far as teaching, <laughs> because you do a lot of teaching I there with, of the, teaching. with the younger ones. So with, with I, the youth. I feel like that, that patience that you've gained from doing that would certainly help with the high school kids. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess you would just yell at them, B66. Yeah, yeah. But, sure. but I guess that wouldn't really work as well for, for the high school kids. And and yes, I believe we'd be allowed in the locker room. Ooh. No, I One don't think two. we'd be able to use it. <laughs> One for two. All of it would be entirely kind of, redacted. You went one for two. We'd be allowed what in, kind but of we wouldn't you use any of it because it would just be cursing all the time. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good point. So we have some of those, by the way, coaches who let us oh, in, yeah, and then afterwards, really. I'm just like, sorry, coach, I can't, can't use any of it. I do appreciate you letting us in. Thank you. Thank you what, for the. What, uh, what kind the, of offense you running, uh, Austin? Crossbuck. <laughs> Crossbuck okay. all day, baby. It's a hey. fired halfway through the year. Ha we'll see. When we're winning championships, come come back and talk to me. When we have Derrick Henry lights all over the field, then come back and talk to me. <laughs> all right. Thanks for stopping up. Weber uh, High School Football tonight. We'll have it on CBS 47 and Fox 30. And to get a big night tomorrow on ESPN 690 and Fox 30 and CBS 47 with the Blitz. Uh, we'll be back from Spring Sports Brewery. Uh, Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence teaming up together. We'll tell you uh, what it's all about coming up on ESPN 690. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.